COVID-19 Vaccine Mythbusters, a conversation with Natalie Tappy. Good afternoon and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19 related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who is interested to attend. Today we will be talking about COVID-19 vaccine mythbusters. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communications specialist with Quality Insights. And without further ado, I will get us started. Today, we are talking with Natalie Tappy. Natalie has over 40 years of experience in nursing. She currently serves a dual role here at Quality Insights. She is a quality improvement specialist for the Community Coalition AIM. And she's the program coordinator for West Virginians for Vaccination Empowerment, or WAVE. Natalie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay, Natalie. So you manage a team of community healthcare workers that work out in the field. And so when it comes to COVID-19 myths, I'm guessing that you've heard it all. Uh, I'm going to read off a list of myths that we hear a lot. And then you can share with us best practices for responding to these myths that you and your team have found to be effective for people who are hesitant. Let us get started. Uh, Myth number one, Natalie. What do you do when someone comes to you and says that they've already had COVID-19, so they have immunity and they do not need the vaccine? Well, we try to, first of all, uh, let me just say that um, most of the information that um, that I would be uh, speaking on today uh, came directly from the FDA and the CDC, so they are trusted sources of information. But we try to tell people that getting a COVID-19 vaccination is a safer and more dependable way to build immunity to COVID-19 rather than getting sick um, because we know uh, what complications can occur uh, when you contract COVID-19. Next, uh, we have a lot of uh, areas that have COVID rates that are falling. So if someone comes to you and says that the COVID rates are falling, therefore they don't need the vaccine, what do you say to them? Well, depending upon the audience, we as boots on the ground, if you will, people who are out in the community. We like to, um, especially with the recommendation now of the FDA with an additional booster for those that are 50 and over or um, immunocompromised, we like to say that the majority of COVID complications and or death hospitalization that are occurring now are those that are unvaccinated. So, even though most of the adults in the U.S. have been vaccinated, those that are being treated right now with COVID-19 tend to be unvaccinated. So it's very important that we provide uh, partners, stakeholders, uh, beneficiaries, uh, patients, um, let them know the importance of continuing to promote vaccine confidence. Okay. What do you say to people who are afraid that the vaccine is not safe because it, they feel like it was developed too quickly? Well, although um, the vaccines seem to, to be developed quickly, people have to realize that vaccine research has been done for decades. All vaccine development steps were taken to ensure that these COVID-19 uh, vaccinations are safe and effective. You have to remember that all drugs will go through um, 
three phases of clinical trials, even something as simple as aspirin or Motrin or Advil, all had to go through clinical trials to ensure that they're safe and effective. In this instance, for emergency use, the phases were overlapped to speed up the process, but all phases were completed and reported on. So before the vaccines are available to people, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or the FDA reviews all the data from clinical trials. So they determined that at the time, there were three uh, vaccines that met the FDA stringent standards and granted those three vaccines that we're now familiar with, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson or Janssen, um, emergency youth authorization, then moving to full, <clears throat> excuse me, FDA approval. And when they granted the approval, whether it be emergency use and or full approval, um, the COVID-19 uh, vaccinations are continually being monitored for safety and effectiveness. Hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. have received the COVID-19 vaccinations, and the CDC and FDA continue to provide updated information on a daily basis, as a matter of fact, on the safety of the U.S. authorized or approved COVID-19 vaccinations um, using data from several monitoring uh, systems throughout the United States. We're hearing a lot in the news about these different mutated versions of the virus that have been coming up. What do you say to someone who says like, what, that there's no point in getting the vaccine because the virus has mutated since it was developed, since the vaccine was developed? Well, um, this is true. Uh, of course, we are aware of the most prevalent variants from the original coronavirus, uh, which is Delta and Omicron. Um, but even getting the vaccine uh, will still protect you for the most part um, from a variant. Um, they actually add protection for those that have already even had COVID-19. One study in fact showed that people who already had COVID-19 and those who did not get vaccinated after their recovery have a two times more likely chance of getting COVID-19 uh, variant. So the one, the most current variant that we talk about now um, is the Omicron, which actually causes more infection and spreads faster than the original uh, SARS-CoV-2 strain of virus that we, that we knew uh, that became known as COVID-19. So it still is very important, even though there are mutations of the, the original SARS-CoV-2 to continue to receive a vaccine as well as a booster if indicated. All right. So this next myth is an oldie. Yeah. The, <laughs> the dangers of the virus are exaggerated and it's no worse than getting the flu. Or more recently, we've been hearing that the new variants just don't make you very sick compared to the ones that we had at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And, and I'll reiter reiterate again, um, you know, the Delta variant was very uh, highly contagious. The Omicron was very highly contagious. They still are contagious. They still are out there. Um, but, you know, when you compare the flu versus COVID, they do have similar qualities. How do we distinguish 
between if we have COVID or if we have the flu. So you have to remember that the flu and COVID-19 are both contagious respiratory illnesses, but they are caused by different viruses. Um, COVID-19, as we know, is caused by infection with the coronavirus. Now, people have to remember the coronavirus of, uh, as, has actually been around again for decades, but these particular strains are what cause COVID-19. So, but flu is caused by an infection with a flu virus. Compared to the flu, um, COVID-19 actually causes more serious illness in some people. COVID-19 can also take longer um, before people show symptoms and people remain contagious for longer periods of time with COVID-19. So how do you tell the difference? Because sometimes you really can't tell the difference between flu and COVID-19 by just looking at the symptoms. So <clears throat> with COVID-19, and the flu, we do have varying degrees of symptoms, but they range from mild, they range actually from no symptoms with COVID-19 to mild to severe. So some of the things I wanna, I wanna be clear in um, looking at what are some of the symptoms that both flu as well as COVID-19 share. Some of those include fever or feeling feverish or chills, um, cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, tiredness, sore throat, runny or stuffy nose, muscle pain, headache. Now here's the one that can most of the time often be associated with COVID, but there are um, some strains of flu that also cause change in or loss of taste or smell. Although again, it's more frequent when with COVID. That's why it's imperative that testing, um, that people with, who, who have these symptoms get tested for either COVID or the flu. It's very imperative because the diagnosis and the treatment is different for both. So getting a vaccine in either instance reduces your risk of severe illness hospitalization, or death from flu or COVID. Staying up to date on your COVID vaccine, which includes getting a booster when eligible, also provides further uh, protection. All right, so this next one, uh, people feel a little iffy on the new MR mRNA vaccines. Uh, what do you say to people who say that the mRNA vaccines can alter their DNA? Well, actually, that's a um, good question to ask because it um, the COVID vaccine does not <clears throat> change or alter your DNA in any way. Both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, which are the messenger RNA, work by delivering instructions or, or where I think people get confused, we say genetic material. Um, they, they deliver these instructions or genetic material to our cells to start building protection against the virus that causes COVID-19. After the body produces an immune response, it discards all of the vaccine ingredients, just, it just as it would discard any information that cells don't long no longer need. So there's no actual RNA or DNA 
that is uh, transferred into the cells. This is part of, with any vaccine that we get, it's part of a normal body function. So the genetic material delivered by the messenger RNAs, as I said, never enter the nucleus um, of your cells, where, you, where your uh, DNA is kept. It's all on the periphery or the outside. Um, but the viral vector COVID-19 uh, vaccines deliver genetic material as well to the, uh, to the cell nucleus to allow our cells to build protection. However, uh, the vector, I'm sorry, the vector vaccine is the Johnson & Johnson, does not have the capability to integrate genetic material into our DNA, so it cannot alter our DNA at all. This next one that we hear, we hear this a lot when it comes to the flu vaccine too. They say, right. I don't want to get the vaccine, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, because it'll make me sick with COVID-19. Yeah, and that's that's a myth that's um, hard to dispel because people, um, when they receive uh, the COVID vaccine or the boosters, they may experience some side effects, therefore leading them to believe um, that they have COVID-19. But um, none of the currently available COVID-19 vaccines contain the live virus. Um, that causes COVID-19. So you cannot get the virus or the disease it causes from the vaccines that are currently on the market. Having symptoms like fever after you get a vaccine, after you get receive a vaccine is normal. And it's actually a sign that your immune system is learning to fight off the virus. So this next one, uh, what do you say to people who feel like the side effects or the risks of the vaccine are more dangerous or risky than getting the virus itself? Good question. Um, we like to tell people that so far with all of the information that we have, all of the data that is gathered, that the benefits of getting the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, far outweigh the risks. Um, getting COVID-19 is much, much riskier than getting the vaccine, even though the vaccine, as I mentioned before, does have some um, uncomfortable, if you will, side effects. We know, already know that there are serious complications, including hospitalization and death, to getting COVID-19. No age group is exempt from these complications. So we recommend um, getting the vaccine to prevent any of these um, complications from occurring. What if someone's concerned that getting a vaccine will cause them to test positive for the virus and I guess subsequently maybe have to quarantine? Right. Well, uh, there's two things to know. Um, none of the authorized or recommended COVID-19 uh, vaccines can cause you to test positive for the viral COVID-19, if you have COVID-19. The viral test checks are um, the swabs that you get in your nose and your mouth to find if you're currently infected with uh, the virus that causes COVID-19. So that's the first one, okay? Um, it will not cause you to be positive. Now, on the flip side, if your body develops an immune response to the vaccination, which is the goal, that's what we want to occur, you may test positive on some antibody tests. What the antibody test is the blood test, 
Okay. So it will actually draw your, they will actually draw your blood to test for the antibodies of COVID. Antibody tests indicate that you had a previous infection so that you may still have some antibodies uh, or protection to the virus. So remember, there's two tests that you're going to get, um, but most often the one that you get for the, well, it will never actually show positive um, the uh, viral test. The only way that there would be a positive result is, is during or when you um, consent to a antibody test to see. And remember the viral test tells you the current that the current um, status of COVID-19 in your body, okay? Whether positive or negative. Then the, um, the uh, antibody test previously sees if you had uh, COVID and if you have immunities, but the vaccine themselves will not cause a positive or a negative um, result. It, it, it just, rem it, especially for uh, the virus. So it's very safe in getting, you're very safe in continuing to get the vaccines or the boosters when your time is uh, ready for that. <clears throat> Okay. Uh, what do you say to someone that says, I got my vaccine, so now I don't need to wear a mask and I don't need to take any precautions now that I've gotten the vaccine? Well, we always want to take caution, um, especially if you're immunocompromised. But generally speaking, um, as, of the, uh, as of today, the updated um, recommendations are that if you're up to date, with your COVID-19 vaccinations, which include your booster, you don't need to wear masks in outdoor settings. Now, there are some guidelines that you have to follow when you live in um, different states. So we recommend that you check uh, local, local COVID-19 recommendations, check community levels for when to wear a mask indoors or Additional precautions you can take to protect yourself, uh, which would be hand hygiene, just as an example. If you're immunocompromised, however, and more likely to get sick from COVID-19, um, then you should wear a mask. And what do you say to people who think that they don't need the flu shot if they've already gotten a COVID-19 vaccine? Well, um, if you'll remember what I said a couple of questions back, um, that the COVID-19 and flu um, uh, viruses um, do have similar uh, side effects, but, and they're caused by totally different viruses. So of course, um, um, you wanna make sure that you get both the, the, the flu vaccine as well as the COVID vaccine. Now, it's up to you whether you want to take them together. There are no contraindications for taking them together. If you happen to be at your physician's office and want to do both, that's perfectly acceptable. Um, um, one of the biggest differences between COVID and the flu, between the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine is that the COVID vaccine is currently effective for the most part, against the currently um, circulating strains of the virus. The flu shot, on the other hand, is designed um, each year to handle the strains of flu 
that scientists determine will, will likely circulate each year. So really the flu vaccine is different every time we take it based on uh, evidentiary findings uh, from scientists all over the world. So it's really, uh, like I said, important to um, um, get both. And um, both the flu and the COVID vaccine are independent of each other. They have nothing to do with one another. So if you have quite more questions about the difference between flu and uh, COVID vaccines, um, that's available on uh, cdc.gov.vaccine. All right, so I've got a couple more here. These are two that I think in the healthcare field we might consider to be kind of outlandish, but it's still a concern that people have. Uh, what do you say when people hear that a vaccine might make you magnetic or that it contains, they're afraid that it contains micro trips, trackers, things like that? Well, um, uh, we have to address those um, as, as misinformation or, um, or a myth. Uh, because there is, uh, again, scientific information. We typically tell people um, that for the magnetic uh, question that um, it does not make you magnetic uh, because including at the site of the um, vaccination, which is usually in your forearm, um, because they don't contain any ingredients that can produce an electromagnetic field at the site of your injection. Um, COVID-19 vaccines are free from any type of um, metal. So it also does not introduce um, microchips. It doesn't contain any microchips. It never did. Um, vaccines are developed to um, fight against disease and not, and we don't administer them. The government doesn't administer, administer them um, to track movements. Um, they work, vaccines work, we have to remember, by stimulating your immune system to produce antibodies so that you can fight off infections or viruses. We hope that by getting the vaccine, we do develop an immunity that if we do get COVID-19, that it's a lesser, it has, um, we, feel, we don't feel as sick or we have um, uh, less side effects, not to say that it won't send you to the hospital or that you won't get uh, very sick. It just helps um, build those immunities so that you don't um, become sicker. So after getting vaccinated, like I said, um, with the immunity you have, we all want that protection. So the federal government is not interested in um, tracking our movements or anything like that. It's just interested in preventing disease. And lastly, Natalie, uh, sometimes you will have patients who will say that there is nothing you can tell me that will persuade me that the vaccine is safe. And I'm sure that's really discouraging when you hear that. Uh, what do you say when you hear this? Well, um, it, it's, we, we tell the individuals it, it is freedom of choice. Um, you know, we, we can't force people to um, take the vaccine clearly. Um, so, you know, we just make sure that when we're presented with that um, out in the field, again, as I said, we're boots on the ground with the community health workers, that those individuals have 
trusted sources of information, flyers, documents, anything that we can share with those individuals from those trusted sources, as I mentioned before, like the CDC or the, the, the FDA, um, and that they know that they come from research and science. But again, at, at the end of the day, um, it's completely up to that individual. And we as community health workers um, do not dissuade or um, encourage in any way. All we do is provide the information. And, um, the informa and the information we do provide that it, making sure that it comes from those trusted sources. All right, so if you wanna reach out to Natalie directly, her number is 1-800-642-8686 and her extension is 3226. And you can also email her at ntappy at qualityinsights.org. That's N-T-A-P-P-E at qualityinsights.org. And you can also check out our other interviews by visiting qualityinsights.org slash QIN underscore vlogs and pods. That's V-L-O-G-S-N-P-O-D-S.